Thank you for listening to this sermon from Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the teaching of Dr. David Rogers, lead pastor of Arapahoe Road. For more information about our church and its ministries, please visit arapahoeroad.org. And now, here's Pastor David Rogers. I've said it, I'll say it again. His disciples stole his body. It's that simple. You don't have to believe it. They just did what they had to do to support their myth. Except the idea of them taking the body is almost as ludicrous as what actually happened. Okay, you see this? This is a Roman seal. Now, it may not mean much to you, but when I use this to seal anything, whether it is a letter, a deed of property, or a, or a tomb, it means everything. Whatever has this seal on it is under the supreme authority of the entire Roman government. So, these religious leaders who had this guy, who had Jesus executed, they were just convinced that his followers were going to steal his body and try to convince people that he resurrected from the dead. So they demanded that Pilate seal the tomb. That's where I come in. So I sealed it with the full weight of Caesar himself. Then there's 16 of us standing arms length apart surrounding the tomb, right? And so this idea that we dozed off and they stole the body. <laughs> Do you know what happens to a soldier who falls asleep at his post? Best case scenario, he is beaten, burned. In all actuality, what would have happened is all 16 of us would have been executed. So no, as the story goes, we did not fall asleep and they did not steal the body. But I was paid good money to tell that story. How am I doing so far? You want to know something that is crazier than that story? That morning, the earth began to shake under our feet. And then, this enormous being appeared. It doesn't matter how hard I try, I can't, I can't do it justice. All you need to know is this. When I looked inside that tomb, that man who I'd seen executed in the most brutal crucifixion I'd ever witnessed was gone. So why are the 16 of us still alive? I'm telling you the real story. The truth is, he wasn't just gone, 
was a lie. David Foster Wallace is credited with saying, you can't unring a bell. And I really believe that the, the same is true when it comes to what a person sees. You, you can't unsee what you've seen. And make no mistake about it. What, what the guard of Roman soldiers at the tomb, what they, what they saw, what they heard, what they witnessed during those early morning hours of the resurrection, it absolutely impacted them to the core. It stuck with them. And they never, ever, as long as they lived, forgot what they experienced that morning. And shaken at the, the supernatural event that they encountered. Well, what did they do next? Well, then they, they went and they, they told the chief priests exactly what had happened, what they had experienced, and their story is recorded over in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew chapter 27, after a crucified and very dead Jesus was placed in a sealed, borrowed tomb, Man, it, it then, if you keep reading in the beginning of Matthew 28, it unfolds what those soldiers did next and what they witnessed, those resurrection reverberations when they were standing at their post, they never forgot it. They never forgot it. They were paid off to tell a different story, but they never, ever forgot it. Let's read that encounter over in Matthew 27. Would you take your Bible? Would you open it up or turn it on? If you didn't bring it, that's okay. It'll be on the screen here. But I want us to read from Matthew's gospel. We'll begin in Matthew 27, verse 62, and we'll read through into Matthew 28, verse 15. Let's just look at this amazing story that was heard, that was seen, that was experienced. Beginning in Matthew 27, verse 62, the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he's risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. And so they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. 
And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, and he said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them, and he said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, most people... Most people believe that it was Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, and the other women who were with her, most believe that they were the very first to witness the empty tomb that Easter morning. However, just think with me for a minute. Stay curious with me for a minute. We just read this story. I, I think it's plausible that the first people to find out about the resurrection they may have actually been the religious leaders. They, they may have been the first one to hear, he's not there anymore. We were there and he's not there anymore. Those guys that were guarding the tomb, they were right there on the front lines. <laughs> they were the first evangelists maybe. Wow. I mean, if you, if you take a step back, the Bible tells the story, but it doesn't, it doesn't give a time stamp on things. It's not the exact timing. That exact timing, it's, it's unknown. It always will be. But it's interesting to think about regardless of who actually found out first. They all found out, yes? Yeah, they all found out. I mean, most likely, all the soldiers, all of them who were there, most likely they all didn't run into the city and give their report to those chief priests. I mean, think about it with me. If they were to do that, that, 
that would have raised suspicion, yeah? They probably wanted to slip in kind of quietly because if, if Pilate found out that they weren't at their post and Jesus' body was missing on their watch, well, just as the soldier said in the video, they would have been executed. And then their dead bodies would take the place of the missing Jesus and his body. That's just based on history and how Romans would deal with mistakes. Yeah, you'd be responsible for it. Your life for that life. No, the, the soldiers, they probably moved quickly yet quietly to those Jewish religious leaders because, man, they were the ones that were ordered in service by Pilate. And then think about it. Here comes the cover-up, right? Immediately, those lies, the cover-up story, it, it, it starts being conceived by the chief priests, by the religious leaders who wanted Jesus dead. They wanted Jesus eliminated from the scene to begin with because Jesus threatened their power and their way of life. So let's eliminate that guy so we can keep doing what we want to do the way we want to do it. Those Jewish leaders, think about it. They didn't want to have to deal with what they were hearing that the soldiers were saying. I mean, the soldiers are there giving their eyewitness account. They're talking about that earthquake, which surely they felt in town as well. They're giving their eyewitness account of the, the, the stone rolling away that they had sealed over that tomb. The unexplainable brilliance of this angel perched atop of that stone. And most importantly, that tomb was empty and Jesus was nowhere to be found. And this is exactly, this is exactly what the religious leaders heard Jesus say and feared that would unfold in some form, some fashion. That's why they had the, the guard stationed there at the tomb to begin with, yeah? That's what we just read. See, the, the guard was there to manage a narrative. Now, nobody's managing narratives in our day today, right? Of course they are. Anybody see that Elon Musk got turned down to buy Twitter? Why do you think that was? Because a narrative wanted to continue to be managed. They don't want somebody with that kind of money and that kind of power. Oh my goodness. People have always been trying to manage narratives throughout history. Easter Sunday, no different. It's a managed narrative. Or they're trying to anyway. They wanted control. They wanted to make sure the angles that were being shown were what they wanted people to see. The words that were coming out were what they wanted communicated. The last thing that they wanted, the last thing they wanted to have to deal with was an empty tomb. And now they had one on their hands. And so they needed to get their story straight. And those Roman soldiers, man, they're, they're, willing, they're willing to go along with whatever 
was going to save their own skin. Whatever's going to allow them to keep their head, I'm for that. Just give me my lines. I mean, being bribed to tell a lie, that was not a stretch for their defective moral compasses. They were happy to get paid and keep their head all at the same time. I mean, while spreading this lie would be no big deal to them, just take a step back. You think they ever forgot what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced? No. They never forgot that first Easter Sunday morning. Something supernatural took place in their midst. They were there. Something beyond their complete comprehension and their total explanation had happened and they were there. Now, while it's not a stretch for them to be complicit in this story, complicit in a lie, these religious leaders, they had concocted a story invited them in to tell this narrative as they're trying to tamp the truth and spread misinformation, a misdirected lie. I'm telling you, the power of God influenced their Roman lives in some kind of experiential manner. They may not have ever become followers of Jesus, but the power of God influenced their lives. You can't unring a bell. You can't unsee what you have seen. They never forgot. Now, we, we don't know all of the details and how exactly that influence in those Roman soldiers' lives continued to manifest itself. But we do know that Matthew's gospel states this about the Roman soldiers. It says, they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. We do know that. We do know that. So let's just ask a question. Was the guard that actually sealed the tomb present when the resurrection happened on Sunday morning? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. The biblical account doesn't speak about that particular individual. But what is recorded in the Bible concerning a sealing was written a little bit later on. It's a different sealing, but it's a sealing nonetheless. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to show you something. It'll be on the screen. Listen to what Paul writes about this different kind of sealing. This sealing's not done by a, a Roman soldier. This sealing was done by the Holy Spirit among those who believe and who are followers of Jesus. Look what Paul writes. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 21 and 22, Paul writes this. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his what? His seal. 
put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Let's talk about what's going on here. What is this seal, this sealing that's taking place here? The, the verbiage that Paul uses here indicates God actually stamping an identifying mark on the lives of those individuals who are followers of Jesus. So if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, what the Apostle Paul says here has happened to you by God. When you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, God Almighty seals you. He seals you. He seals you. What comes to mind when I think about this imagery is my granddaddy Ford. My granddaddy Ford um, was a cattle rancher uh, out past Abilene, uh, and he used to brand his cattle. This is a little brand, not a big brand. This is a brand that I can brand my steaks with if I want to. It's got my initials DR on it. Well, my granddaddy Ford had a different one, okay? His said BF for Bill Ford. Bill Ford, when he'd run his cattle and he'd work his cattle and he'd get new cows in there, he would brand those cows, brand those cattle with BF so that wherever those cows went, if they happened to get outside of his fence, and my granddaddy always loved a six-wire bobbed wire fence, not a four, not a three, a six-wire bobbed wire fence. Because he wanted his cows inside of his ranch land, his farmland. But if one happened to get out, and occasionally it would, he could quickly identify it. Or one of his neighbors could quickly identify, oh, there's the BF on it. That's Bill Ford's cow. That's Bill Ford's cow. Anybody could look at the outside markings on the hide of that cow and know that's one of Bill Ford's cows. If you identify as a Christian, that's true about you. No, God didn't brand you with a branding iron, but he did seal you. He sealed you. He, he sealed you, and the response from an inside sealing naturally would begin to manifest itself on the outside. If the old you has passed and the new you has now come, a brand new you with a brand new heart and a brand new life, the one you're following is Jesus, that should begin to be noticed. People, people ought to be able to see identifiers with the way that you live your life, the markings of, of how you live your life begin to indicate you're His. You follow Jesus, and you, your life is lived in such a way that, that, that when people look at your life, they would, would say things like, oh, uh, her life speaks so loudly and so clearly. She, she's a woman of conviction. She, she's, she's living as a follower of Jesus. She must be. God has done something on, on the inside of her life that's really easy now to see in the way she lives her life on the outside. What she does, how she talks, what she posts, how she spends her money, where she goes, who she dates, how she invests her time. 
Her outward expressions indicate that God has sealed her heart or sealed his heart with the Spirit. She belongs to another. He belongs to another. It's a language in the Scripture and throughout the Scripture, sealing, indicating that the Holy Spirit becomes this identifying, sealing of ownership and authenticity and relationship of an individual who has been redeemed, who's been saved, who's been rescued, who's been reconciled based not on what you've done, but on what Jesus did. When he said, it is finished, that's all the stuff we could never accomplish on our own when it comes to being good enough to stand before a holy God and taking care of our sin. But when he said, it is finished, and he was laid in a tomb, and he came back to life, that's a game changer for all who put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. And friends, this sealing, this sealing is, is connected to this eternal inheritance that that individual, you, if you've put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, are, are going to enjoy because of this connection that is now in order and has been authenticated by God himself in that person's life because of that sealing. God just looks at your life and sees sealed Inheritance is yours. This is, this is what Jesus was actually referring back to in a conversation that he was having. He was having this conversation with his followers. It was right on the heels of a miracle that took place on a mountainside in Galilee. Jesus had just fed the masses. How many of you ever heard about Jesus feeling, uh, feeding the masses? Anybody heard that story? He just fed thousands and thousands of people. Yeah, on this particular day, he fed the masses with the lunch of a, of a small boy, some fish and some loaves. And now the, everybody's full, everybody's feeling good, and the crowds, they're wanting more from Jesus. And in response, do you know what Jesus talked about? He actually talks about a seal. He talks about a seal that's actually on his life from God the Father. Listen to what Jesus says here in John chapter 6, verse 27. He says this, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to where? Eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's Jesus referring to himself, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his what? Say it with me seal. God the Father has set his seal on God the Son, on Jesus. N.T. Wright, one of my favorite theologians, he speaks to this seal that's upon Jesus, the Son of God and the Son of Man, when he notes this, God, like a goldsmith with a hallmark, or like a king with his great seal, has stamped this person with the mark that declares not only where he comes from, but that he carries his what? Say that word with me. Authority. Say that word again. Authority. 
He carries his authority, the authority from the king himself. Jesus goes on to talk about this authority from God. It's one of the last conversations that he has with his disciples after he has been resurrected and meets them in Galilee. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Look what Jesus says here. And Jesus came and said to them, All what? Authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Me, Jesus says. Now watch this. Because it's all been given to me, here's what I want you to do as my followers. My sealed followers, go. I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this sealed authority from God the Father has been stamped and given to God the Son. God the Son is who? Jesus, you're with me. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, what does this have to do with my life? It's a great question. Don't miss what Jesus said. Don't miss what Jesus said. This authority that is now his is being transferred to his followers to go, to make disciples through the ways that Jesus commissioned them. And this authority and this sealing from the Holy Spirit would soon come. It would soon come. Luke describes this over in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Think about it for a second. Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's been resurrected from the tomb. He's appeared to his disciples and over 500 people over the next 40 days after his resurrection. Now he is about to ascend to heaven. And the Holy Spirit of God is going to come on their life in just a moment. He said to them, it's not for you to know times of seasons that the Father has fixed by his own what? By his own, say that word, authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth not long after that conversation Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father the Holy Spirit soon would be sent to empower and to seal the believers seal all of the followers of Jesus and give them gifts of the Spirit and the authority from the God who seals people's hearts. The message of the gospel, it would begin to go forth in power throughout that region and beyond and eventually make its way to you and me. But that's where it started. 
And no matter how hard any religious leaders tried, the truth could not be contained and it could not be misdirected for long. Because friends, once a person has been sealed by God, sealed with the Holy Spirit, now residing in that person's heart, well, that person now becomes a walking, talking, living, and breathing ambassador with good news to share with everybody everywhere. That's the result of Easter. The truth eventually comes out. Just as Jesus did from the tomb. Once sin and death were defeated on that glorious Easter Sunday when Jesus arose. I mean, the the Roman soldiers, they may have taken that bribe. They may have parroted and echoed those concocted lies from those religious leaders. But God rang their bell that Easter Sunday morning in a supernatural way. And those men, they could not unsee what they saw and experienced. No matter how hard they tried, no matter how much they were paid to try and communicate a different story, they knew. They knew. What we don't know is what they ultimately did with their lives. We don't know what they did with that experience over the long arc of their life. It's just not fully known. But perhaps as old men, they sat and they thought deeply about that morning when the earth shook, when the stone was rolled away, Revealing an empty tomb where the angels were present. And perhaps they tried long and hard to forget about it and just move on with their life. But what matters the most today is not what they did with the reality of the resurrection, but it's what you will do with the reality of the resurrection from this moment forward what are you going to do with what happened then as you leave and move forward with your life today friends he is risen he is risen indeed so let me just ask you has your heart been sealed with the Holy Spirit due to the fact that Jesus exited a tomb so that he could enter your life. That's what Easter is about. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And because he is alive, friends, we can be set free from our spiritual death And we can be sealed with a new life, a fresh start. And we can begin to identify as followers of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did at the cross. 
He broke the chains of sin and death. What happened three days later when he rose from the dead and came out of that tomb is a miracle. It's a power of God on display. And when he ascended into heaven 40 days later, and when he then sent the Holy Spirit to empower and seal all who are followers of him, friends, that has massive implications for you and for me today. Because what the seal on our heart says to a watching world is we belong to Jesus. We live for Jesus. The things we do, we do as representatives of Jesus. It's what Jesus said in, in Luke 9, 23. If you're going to follow after me, just pray a prayer, get baptized, and then go do whatever you want to do. No, that is not what the gospel says. The gospel of Jesus says, if you want to follow after me, that's awesome. You must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. It's not going to be easy, in other words. And we feel that more than ever in the culture that we live in today, right? Yeah. The good thing is you don't have to just go through life white-knuckling and trying harder to be better and do gooder, bad English. Because you've been sealed. And you can just walk in the power of God that so mightily is residing in you. You have no idea what kind of authority has been given to you based on what Jesus has said. What if this Easter we stopped getting filled up on the chip and salsa of life and we enjoyed the meal that God's put before us? Now, I love chips and sauce as much as the next guy. But there's so much more. There's so much more. What if this Easter was about you stepping toward the so much more? The cross, the crave, the empty tomb is an invitation to the so much more more. Friends, God wants you to live with authority, His authority, the seal that's been set over your heart if you put your faith, hope, and trust in Him. Friends, you have a destiny to fulfill. You have a joy to experience. You have a hope to hold on to. You have a future that is so much bigger and brighter than your past. Because you have a risen Savior named Jesus 
who defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell at the cross. And throughout the ages, because of that reality, historical Christians have done a call and response. And they declare, He is risen. And they say, He is risen indeed. Would you say that with me? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That is the truth. So may we live up to our marking. And may we rejoice that the empty tomb reminds us to ring the bell of salvation that he did. He accomplished. He did it. Victory over death. And as a follower of Jesus, friends, authority from a sealed heart that is made alive in Christ has been given to you to now live out your salvation and share a message of hope with every person you encounter this week. And so may a watching world hear and see all that they need to from our lives to be able to put their faith, hope, and trust in the one who can seal them just as well. And friends, if you have never put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus, man, today can be the day of your salvation. Today can be the day of your sealing. That's the gospel truth. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Feel free to distribute this recording, but please do not sell or alter it in any way. For more information about Arapahoe Road Baptist Church, please visit our website at arapahoeroad.org. Arapahoe Road Baptist Church is located at 2256 Arapahoe Road in Garland, Texas, with Sunday morning worship service at 1045 a.m. We hope you'll join us this week.